Amen. So friends, we finish our sermon series this morning with one last story on the road. One last experience of walking with Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. Listen for God's word to us this morning. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard a crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Lord, let me see again. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and he followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Well, friends, my parents have a place in Colorado where they have been going for 15 years. And every year for the last 15 years, I've taken some time out in my, in my summer and made a little trip so that I can have some time alone with my parents and enjoy Colorado in the middle of the summer. This summer, it almost didn't happen. As many of you know, Al's parents faced life-threatening medical issues this summer in Dallas, and Al and I spent our vacation taking turns burning up I-35, right, between here and Dallas, being with them, making important decisions about their care. And then things got a little crazy at work for me, if y'all can remember, <laughs> right? Because somewhere around that same time, our senior pastor here at WHPC began to plan his departure. And I remember thinking at the time, well, this will be a first. It'll be my first year not to go to Colorado and see mom and dad. Well, fortunately, my family and my colleagues here at the church persuaded me to reconsider. And in late July this summer, I actually did take some time for a quick trip. Now, my parents know that I love to walk. They know I need to walk. And so they arranged, before I ever got there, for me to go on a guided group hike in Mueller State Park. That's uh, this hike here. Um, they had me go on my very first full day with them. I'm not sure quite what to think that my parents sent me on a hike on my first day there. But it was beautiful, 10 miles in and out of spectacular backcountry. As you can see, it was a beautiful day. And like most groups hikes like this, after a few miles, the hikers kind of settle into groups, like you can see. The faster walkers kind of end up in groups in the front. The people who like to talk a lot end up together, right? I was near the front, but as you can tell, far enough away so I didn't have to talk to anyone. I was about four miles in, maybe, and that's when I heard it. In the majesty of that landscape, in the quiet of that bright day, I heard it. Softly at first, 
then becoming more distinct, it was the cry of my heart. My heart, which was worn out and worried, my heart, which was burdened and struggling to remain hopeful, there walking in that state park, I finally recognized how tired and depleted I had become. The cry of my heart couldn't be covered up with busyness. There was no distraction on this trail. Lord, have mercy, I prayed. Lord, have mercy on my in-laws. Lord, have mercy on my husband. Lord, have mercy on my church. Our gospel lesson this morning paints a similar scene, doesn't it? A blind man sits by the side of the road begging. This is what he must do to get by. This is how he makes his living. Then he hears this commotion. What's going on, he asks, and he's told, well, it's Jesus. Jesus is passing by. And that's when it happens. That's when the man begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, those around him shush him. They order him to be quiet. But he continues to cry out. He gets louder, in fact. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, Messiah, Savior, Redeemer, you who can make all things right, you who come with God's power and God's glory, have mercy on me. And no amount of shushing stopped this man. The biblical scholar Michael Card puts it this way, the blind man's stubborn insistence to keep on crying out to Jesus is what makes me love this little man so much. I believe it's why Jesus also seems to have been delighted by him as well. He sits there in his own personal darkness, crying out for a gift he does not deserve. He cries out for mercy. It's the perfect prayer. The simplest request for what is most critical, it is the plaintive cry for a piece of God's own heart. A plainful, plaintive cry for a piece of God's own heart. The perfect prayer, son of David, have mercy on me. Now friends, I've been thinking about this perfect prayer, this plaintive cry for a piece of God's own heart. You see, I believe that when we walk with Jesus, when we walk with compassion and service, we begin to hear this cry all over the place. We hear this cry from those facing brutality and injustice. We hear this cry from those who are locked in grief and addiction. This cry of the heart to be loved, to be treated like a child of God. The cry for peace, for wholeness, for community, for a future. The cry might come from the heart of a loved one or from our own soul, but sometimes you hear this cry in the middle of a political or cultural debate, and this cry is coming from the one you disagree with. Or it's in the life of an acquaintance of yours, someone you don't really care to know intimately. And that's when it becomes uncomfortable and inconvenient. That's when it interrupts our cozy world. That's when we might be tempted to shush such plaintive cries 
for a piece of God's heart. Isn't that why the crowd on the road to Jericho shushed the cry of the blind beggar? Don't you think it embarrassed them? Don't you think it challenged them and annoyed them? Don't you think they preferred their blind beggars silent and polite? Son of David, have mercy on me, he kept saying. And notice that Jesus won't allow this perfect prayer, this plaintive cry to be shushed. He goes to him. I hear your prayer. I have mercy. What do you want me to do for you? This, my friends, is the critical moment in the gospel text. And in all honesty, it's the critical moment in the life of faith. This man may be blind, but in his perfect prayer, he shows that he sees something those around him have missed. He sees salvation. He sees redemption. He sees restoration. He sees power and glory that help that can only come from a good and loving God. And he's reaching out to it with everything he has, with all that he is, with every bit of hope and every bit of courage he can muster. Your faith has saved you, Jesus says. The man regains his sight, but he also glimpses the power and the glory of God. He can't stop his praising. He follows Jesus all the way in to Jericho. Son of David, have mercy on me. That perfect prayer, when not shushed, <laughs> when not ignored or buried, when brought directly to Jesus, somehow miraculously births perfect joy. Perfect joy. Joy that comes when your eyes open to God's power and glory. That's what the prophet Isaiah speaks of when he says, the desert and the dry land will be glad, the wilderness will rejoice and blossom, they will see the Lord's glory, the splendor of our God. And the eyes of the blind will be opened, the lame will leap, the tongue of the speechless will sing, waters will spring up in the desert, the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground, fountains of joy. My friends, this is the biblical definition of joy, perfect joy. It's like seeing flowers blooming where there's only desert. It's like blind people seeing, lame dancing, mute singing, water gushing out of burning sand, perfect joy. And it comes when you least expect it. It comes where it doesn't belong in spite of everything else. It comes when we have eyes to see God's power and God's glory. So about eight miles into that hike, that beautiful day in Colorado, my group took a break by this mountain lake. I was still in deep thought, hearing the cry of my own heart, praying that prayer. We all pray in such moments, Lord, have mercy. That's when a stranger from the group came and sat down beside me. We didn't really speak. We just kind of took in the view and rested a while together, drinking some water, sharing some granola. 
And then she started to get up. She just said one thing to me. One thing. What a glorious God we have to create such beauty. What a glorious God we have to create such beauty. And then she was gone. I mumbled something in response. We really never spoke again. But I have to tell you, at that moment, the lake looked different. The sky looked different. My dirty old shoes actually looked different. Because suddenly, as I had experienced so many other times before, as you have experienced so many times, God's glory filled that place, and it filled me. And I felt joy. Now, my in-laws' situation was still very life-threatening. It didn't change. The church's situation, it didn't change. But joy came. Joy that carried me those last few miles of the hike and joy that brought me back to Austin to finish a strenuous summer of serving those I love. Friends, I don't know what brings you to your knees what cry of the heart seeks a piece of God's own heart today in your life? Perhaps your heart cries out about your family, about someone you love. Maybe it's about your work, your health, your future. I don't know what brings you to your knees or makes you pray that perfect prayer, Lord, have mercy. But don't shush that cry. Pray it. Pray it with courage. Pray it with hope. And friends, when the broken and unjust places in our culture and in our world lead to cries of the heart for peace, for compassion, for wholeness and justice, God forbid that we be the people to shush those cries. Because ultimately, ultimately such cries of the heart bring us face to face with our need for a good and saving God. And ultimately, such perfect prayers open our hearts, our minds, our eyes to God's power and glory. Ultimately, such cries for a piece of God's own heart open the door for joy, real joy. Joy like flowers blooming, even in a desert, like water flowing, even in burning sand. Joy the power of God and the glory of God where you least expect it. Seeing and singing and leaping where there was no vision or sound or movement before. Look at me, says Jesus. Walk with me, says Jesus, and you will see God's glory. You will find joy. The truth is, I believe that's why we're here. I believe that's why we gather here in worship week after week, year after year, even generation after generation. I think we come to this sanctuary on Sunday mornings because we become a bit blind by the week behind us to the glory of God. We come here with hearts crying out, praying that perfect prayer, Lord, have mercy on me, on my family, on my church, on our world. We come yearning for power and strength yearning to see hope and possibilities that we just can't make out right now, straining our imagination to their limit. 
We come to worship because we know that here, here like no other place, God's glory can be revealed. Here, our eyes can be opened to see God's power. It's joy we're after. Not enlightenment, not happiness, not fun, not entertainment, but deep and abiding joy. And joy exists in any circumstance. Joy trusts God to see where we are blind. Joy carries us through our days and remains God's good gift to strengthen and comfort us on our journey. Psalm 122 puts it this way, I rejoiced when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. In Hebrew, you could also say, I felt joy in going to God's house. Emily Craven, our worship director, wrote in her testimony for our sermon study guide, which I know all of you are studying diligently every night. She wrote, worship is my favorite part of walking with Jesus. Because worship is where we draw near to God and to one another and where we can glimpse God's glory. And that glimpse, my friends, that glimpse makes all the difference. It's what brings us joy. Joy that puts a spring in our step. Joy that holds us up and pushes us forward. Joy that strengthens those around us and draws others to the gospel. That builds and sustains the kingdom of God. Joy that can see flowers in a desert, that can see pools of water in burning sand, that can see dancing and singing in the midst of affliction. Joy that can see resurrection in a rugged cross. And because nothing, absolutely nothing separates us from the love of God poured out for us on the cross, nothing, absolutely nothing can steal that joy. Hallelujah. Amen. Let us pray. God, we are gathered here, your people, wanting our eyes to be opened, wanting a glimpse of your glory and power. Thank you that you are in our midst. God, bring us just a taste of your joy and allow that joy to carry us all the days of our lives. Amen.